Good morning. We're working our way through Paul's letter to the Romans, and this week and Friday and next Sunday, it just doesn't get much better than the stuff that we get to unearth and the stuff that we get to discover together. In this letter, Paul lays out foundational Christian truths, basic truths, truths we're to build our Christian life upon. And having laid the foundation thus far in the letter, at this point in the letter, Paul begins to build on it. Let's see what he says in Romans 6, 14 through 23. It's in your worship folder if you want to follow along as I read. Paul writes, Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. And your members to God as instruments for righteousness, for sin will have no dominion over you, for you, since you are not under law, but under grace. What then? Are we to sin because we are not under law, but under grace? By all means, do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to that standard of teaching to which you were committed. And having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. I'm speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. For the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul launches into the section with a command. Very straightforward. Look what he says. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who are brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments of unrighteousness. Paul tells us what to do, but fortunately, he doesn't just tell us what to do. He tells us how to do it, and that's what we're going to uncover. Not only what to do, but how to do it. Um, we have to understand several things before we go on, two things that will help us understand his argument. Number one, when he talks about sin in the Bible, sin oftentimes refers to sinful acts, not here. Sin is a power, and that's one thing that we'll have to identify and talk a little bit about. Sin is a power, and the second thing is we are all slaves to a master, and 
Let's uncover those two things. We touched on them last week. And um, sin is a power. When Paul talks about sin, he's talking about sin here as a ruling power. It is a little bit like what we find in Genesis 4. When Cain and Abel, um, when they presented their offerings before God, and God selected Cain's, didn't select Abel's, and this is what God said to Cain. The Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must master it. The image is sin crouching at Cain's door, wants to have him, wants to own him, wants to unite with him. It's not something that Cain is choosing. It's something that is choosing Cain. It's a destructive power. That's the way Sin is depicted in Genesis, and that's the image that Paul picks up. Sin is a power here. Um, Not something, again, that we choose, but something that chooses us. Number one, and that's what we've got to understand, sin is a power here. And secondly, we are all slaves to a master. Um, Either God is our master, or sin is our master. And again, uh, it will describe what the end results of those things are, but it really doesn't leave a lot of room for middle ground. Either we're one of two things. Everybody on the planet is in one of two spots, according to Paul. Either slaves to sin or slaves to God. it's that straightforward. Uh, the question of a man's being free in the sense of having no master um, doesn't arise. Um, this is the problem that Jesus came to address. And again, if we don't understand the problem, we can't understand the solution. If we can't grasp the problem, we can't appreciate the solution. That's why we have to start with what's the problem. What's the problem? Um, In order to appreciate what Christ accomplished on the cross, we have to see the problem from God's perspective. And here is the problem. Sin is the slave owner. And we are the slaves. That's the problem. Not just sin is an act, but sin is a power. Paul tells us, don't be sin slaves. Okay. So that's the command. And again, fortunately, Paul just doesn't tell us what to do. He tells us how to do it. And what he'll tell us in order to transfer from being sin slaves to God's slaves, we must do two things. Two things. We must tune sin out. Again, sin is a master. And tune God in. That's the thing we're going to learn about. 
tuning sin out, tuning God in. Why would we do that? So that we can go from being sin slaves to God's slaves. Let's see what Paul has to say here when he talks about tuning sin out. Verse 14, a really important verse. It says, for sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law, but under grace. Uh, This is a a basic statement that needs to be understood in order to understand how to be freed from the rule of sin. And this verse is indicating this. It says sin will not have dominion over you. It's not saying you will not do sinful things. Again, sin here is a power, not an act. It's not talking about you'll never do sinful things. It's saying sin will not be your master. Again, as sin is a master, it drives us to do unrighteous things and self-righteous things. That's where sin is going to goad us towards, towards unrighteousness or towards self-righteousness. That's the direction and ultimately to death. Um, It's saying sin will have no dominion over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. And here's what it's saying. Under law is somebody who believes that God operates by the old covenant. Let's say this is under law. This is, I would understand that God still operates by the old covenant. I'm blessed if I do And I'm cursed if I don't. That's under law. Under grace is I am not under the old covenant. I'm under the new covenant. It's understanding that what Jesus did when he died, he inaugurated a new covenant. Now, here's what Paul is saying. Under law, sin is Lord. Period. You say, no, it isn't. That's Paul says it is. If we believe that God is operating according to old covenant guidelines, sin is Lord and it has dominion. Again, that doesn't mean you'll do every kind of lousy thing. We'll do every kind of lousy thing. But ultimately, we're going to be directed away from righteousness towards unrighteousness. That's what Paul is saying. Under law, sin is Lord. Under grace, God is Lord. So to the degree we understand that God operates by new covenant principles, not by law-based principles, as in the Mosaic law, that's what Paul is indicating here. And according to him, these are basics. Um, Paul understands that this teaching raises eyebrows. It raised eyebrows then. Does it raise eyebrows now? Absolutely it does. Absolutely. It raises eyebrows and it raises questions. And the questions that surface, okay, Mike, and then to what they're saying to Paul. Okay, so you're saying that where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. I get you what. You know what we'll do? We'll just throw caution to the wind. We'll just send it up. Right? We send it up. God graces it up. And um, Paul asks and answers this question. Here's what he says. Verse 15. What then? Are we to sin because we are not under law but under grace? I've heard that question. Raised it. But he says, by no means. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or 
of obedience, which leads to righteousness. We are slaves of the power we obey. The word obedience here is important. It's a really important word to understand. There's several nuances to words that are translated obedience. Let me tell you about this one. It's a compound of two Greek words. The first means under. The second means listen. So when it talks of obedience, literally what that word describes, under listening. Under listening. Tuning someone in. I want you to to think about being in a place where you're trying to listen carefully. There's a lot of things that you could hear. And you're really trying to tune in a voice. And that's what it's describing. That's what it's describing when it talks about obedience. It's talking about under-listening. Um, we are slaves to the one we tune into. That's what Paul is saying. We tune in law and sin is Lord. We tune in grace and God is Lord. That's what Paul is indicating it would be nice if what we could say is, okay, if you want, anybody wants God to be Lord, sin not to be Lord, I'll tell you what, just take the Bible and just read it. If it was that simple. It's not that simple. Um, what it says in John chapter 1, 17 and 18, it says, For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side has made him known. What it's describing, the law came through Moses, and he said exactly what he was intended to say. He did what he was supposed to do. There's no mistake here. But the old covenant, which came through Moses, is one thing. But that does not reveal God. That's what the passage says. God, Jesus, the one who is at the Father's side, he has made God known. So if you want to know what God is like, you can't see God clearly from Mount Sinai. You see God clearly on Mount Calvary. This is an analog signal, a shadow, a form. You can see some things. Again, with the shadow, uh, there's a little bit of a shadow there. If you see my shadow, can you see my face? A shadow doesn't show a face. Mount Sinai might show God's form, his shadow. You can't see God's face from Mount Sinai. Where do you see God's face? In Jesus Christ and from Mount Calvary. That's what Paul is indicating, and that's why it's a little bit confusing. We have to understand that the new covenant has replaced the old. They both aren't in operation. And that's important because under law, sin is Lord, and under Grace, God is Lord. In order to go from being sin slaves to being slaves to God, 
We've got to tune out law and tune in grace. It doesn't mean that we don't do what God wants. It's not that we don't try to keep the commandments. Under law, here's the deal. You can't keep the commandments because sin is Lord here. And even when you keep them, you keep them for the wrong reason. We keep them for the wrong reason. God doesn't just look at behavior. He looks at motives. Under law, we cannot do what God wants. Under grace, we can. So if you're not going to present yourselves to sin, or you're going to present yourselves to God, you understand what he's doing. Paul's giving us a how. You want to be slaves to God? Tune in grace. That's what he's saying. Um, Let's review the first half of the chapter to learn how we can be freed from the rule of sin, because that's where we start out. That's where we start out. It says, Romans 6, verse 3, Do you not know that all of us, this is in your worship folder, all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Look at verse 7. That's really important. The one who has died has been set free from sin. What this is intimating is this. If you, if we are to be emancipated from having sin as Lord, we have to die. That's where baptism comes into place. We have to be baptized into Christ. I talked about it last week. Baptism means identification. I've talked about it, but just briefly, if I want you to, let's, let's say I have a vat of purple dye here, okay? Vat of purple dye. I have a white piece of cloth, okay? When I take, and the word for baptize is the word that describes what I do when I immerse the cloth into the dye. That's what the Greeks would have said, I am baptizing the cloth, immersing it. Now, what happens to a white cloth when I put it into a vat of purple dye for a long enough period of time? It turns purple. What's true of the dye becomes true of the cloth. That's the deal with baptism. What becomes true of the thing it's immersed into becomes true of the thing that's immersed into it. What does that mean? We're not talking about purple. We're talking about Jesus. What does that mean? Jesus died. And he was buried. And he was raised again. So here's the deal. If we are united with Christ, and that's what baptism is a symbol of. We are united so what's true of Jesus becomes true of us. Jesus died. If we're united with him, what does that mean? We 
Oh, that's a really good thing. You know why? Because he who has died has been freed from sin. That's how it works. That's how it works. We're united with him in his death, his burial, and his resurrection. When we understand that, you know what it means? Through faith in Christ, we go from here to here, because he who has died can go from here to here. That's what Paul is saying. So baptism is a symbol of what happens when you put your faith in Christ. It's an symbol. It's a symbol of what Jesus came to do. It's why Jesus died. Um, the one who has died has been freed from sin. So we have to die in order to live to God. In order to live for God, we need to be set free from sin. Right? This happens through are being included in Jesus' death. We go from here to here. This, these are basics. These are basics. This is Christianity. This is Christianity 101. I'm not... And there's real, there's so much confusion. People have so many different ideas about why Jesus died and the truth of why he died so that we could be set free. It gets skimmed over. I'm not sure. I'm not sure why. The basic, basics were to build upon. We tune sin out. We tune sin out and tune God in. When we tune in Grace. See, grace isn't an excuse. Grace isn't an excuse. It's not treating sin as not powerful. It's the only way to break free from it. Grace isn't treating sin lightly. It's treating it head on. That's what Paul is saying. Every other device to try to get out from under it, that is weak. Grace is immensely powerful. We tune sin out and we tune God in. What Paul says, verse 17, Thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient. Remember what that word obedient means? You under-listened. That's what it means. You became obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. And having been set freed from sin, you've become slaves of righteousness. Now, in the text, it indicates having been set free from sin... You became slaves of righteousness. Now, what did they have to do to do that? What it's describing, it says, you were once slaves of sin, have become obedient from the heart to that form of teaching. You know what they did? 
Here's what happened. Here's how they moved from here to here. They were in a place that all they heard was this, under law, 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 law. Then what they did, they heard somebody describing why Jesus died. And they got it right. And what they ended up doing, they ended up, they said, whoa, I've never heard that. I haven't heard that. I've heard a lot of this. Of that. And you know what they decided to do? They, they, they said, you know what? I want to, I want to hear that again. I want to, I want to know. Say what? Say that again. Say that, say that. And you know what they did? In under listening, they went from here to here. You are slaves to the one you tune in. We are slaves of the one we tune in. Law, sin is Lord, grace, God is Lord. That's what they did. They, they tuned in the truth. At the time, it was an oral culture. You know what? They didn't have these. They didn't have Bibles. The only place you could get a Bible was the synagogues had scrolls. And scrolls were really expensive. Everybody didn't have a scroll. To include the Bible in the Old Testament, you need a bunch of these really big scrolls. They're not little. And so the only place that they had them were the synagogues primarily. Paul had a few letters. So if you wanted to tune in, Grace, where did you have to go? You had to go to a place where someone was talking about it. You had to listen, under-listen. There was only one place you could go. If it's Rome, Colossae, Thessalonica, Philippi, wherever it was, you needed to go to a place where one of the apostles or someone who understood their teaching was talking. And then you'd come back there again and again and again, week after week after week after week, under listening, tuning in. Say it again. I'm just getting this. You don't get it all at once. That's how it worked in that place. It's an oral culture. They couldn't just go home and flip open a book. That's why Paul was so key on them remaining. Because if this was the place that they were tuning in, I want you to follow me. If this is the place they're tuning in the message, you got that? They're hearing it because they don't have books. If they keep tuning in, now who's their master here? This is grace. Who's their master? God is. They determine... mm, Mm. Uh oh. And if they go from this place and don't tune this in, what's going to happen? And what just happened? Again, we don't know if it's all nothing. They just came back under. That's why Paul says you became obedient. You tuned it in. You tuned it in. And when Paul was telling people, stay, don't go anywhere else, he wasn't trying to control them. This was the only place that they could continue to experience freedom. And it's not all at once, is it? I could talk to you guys. And those of you who have been around a while would, and I've heard you talk about it. At first, the message seems too easy. It seems like cheap grace, not powerful. 
you stay a while, you tune it in, and it begins to change your heart. It takes time. It takes time. They will need to be committed to under-listening. If they go elsewhere, they won't hear what will redeem them. By remaining in the fellowship, they'll be set free from sin because they'll move out from under law to under grace. Um, it takes power from God to be freed from sin and ruled by righteousness. It takes a message that's incredibly powerful. That's what grace is. We didn't think of grace. He did. And he determined that when we understand why Jesus died, and we'll talk about it Friday, and we'll talk about it Sunday, and we'll talk about it through this series that's so important, basics that we can build a Christian life upon. Look what Paul says in verse 19. He understands slavery is not a perfect vehicle with which to try to clarify how Christianity works. So Paul says, I'm speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. What do they need to do? Here's a little quiz. little quiz. What do they need to do in order to not present their members to, as slaves to impurity and in order to present their members as slaves to righteousness? Well, I don't say it out loud. I want you to think if you know the answer. I want you to know not just the what, but the how. If you come out of here saying, I'm not supposed to present myself to sin, if that's all you get, this has been a waste of time. A what without a how is not very helpful. Would you agree? Telling me what to do and not telling me how to do it, it's probably going to make things worse. So, in order to not present yourselves to sin and not present yourselves to God, what do you have to do? You have to tune God in. And where are you going to tune God in? From Mount Sinai? No. Mount Calvary. Grace. That's what you do. Is it? And it's something that you determine to do and you keep on doing it. So what I'll say, as we say week after week, keep coming back, keep coming back, keep coming back. Why? We'll keep tuning it in, keep tuning it in, because as we do so, you become more slaves of righteousness, moving in the direction that God would have you go. That's the way it works. Um, slavery is a way to capture vertical connection, has its flaws. Um, he says, for when, verse 20, when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you're now ashamed? The end of those things is death. When he's talking about that, he's talking about their lives under pagan, Gentile paganism or ancient Judaism. Either one. They have their laws. Ancient Judaism, pagan, Gentile paganism. Uh, the place where they had to go is um, over 
here. It's the sacred sensibilities that we need to be careful of. The thing when he talks about the end of those things is death. He's not talking about immorality. He's not talking about secular culture. Secular culture is dangerous. Sacred culture is much more dangerous. Because it can sound religious. It can promise freedom. And we end up serving sin. It's tricky. It's tricky. Remember I was in, I told you this before, I was in uh, Beijing. And we were, there was a conference there and there was a series of talks and I went away from that and I was feeling, oh gee, just like I had had three quarts of blood taken out from me and I've just, I said, okay, and I'd learned to do this. I needed to kind of go inside, and I need to think about why am I, what's going on? What's going on? And I thought about what I had heard. And I'd heard some things and swallowed some things that I didn't even know I had swallowed until I started. <laughs> and then I, it occurred to me, I had swallowed some things that led me to believe that I was still under the old and not under the new, and I recognized that and was able to say, hadi, 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 you know, and I'm over here. And, and, and I, and what I did, and I, and I really did, I remember doing it. I, I remember walking outside of this hotel, and this is what I did. Oh, you ever felt that? You ever feel that? When you're going so fast to try to make God like you, and you're trying so hard, try hard, give up, try hard, give up, try hard, give up, and then you end up realizing what you're doing, and then you tune him in, and then it doesn't happen all of a sudden, and you're over here, and then you're going, oh, thank God. And I talked to somebody, I talked to this this teacher who, uh, she was in the classroom over. I said, mm, how how you doing? And she goes, I am just miserable. And so I said, let me tell you what I figured out. And I said, I, and I, and I real, and so we talked about it. And you know what she did? I remember, I remember her doing it. Thank you. I'll never forget it. I talked to her this past week. And that was like 20 years ago. And she remembers it like it was yesterday. Oh, it was the beginning. And it's, it's not something that's all and done. Again, some of you have been here a really long time. And you're still, it's really confusing. It is. I'm not just saying that. I'm not being patronizing or condescending. Very confusing. It was really confusing in Paul's day. It's confusing in our day. You don't get it all of a sudden. You don't get it just hearing it once. You don't, you don't, you don't. We'll talk about it again and again. Sometimes, if I'm you, I'm get, I might be tired of hearing this stuff about grace. Really. I'm not just, I'm not blowing smoke. Really. I, I get it. It's the only thing that works. <laughs> so we gotta keep talking about it. Um, Jesus, I think, understood this. It says that, in John 8, Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him. Now, these are Jews who said, okay, Jesus, I'll sign up. I believe that you are the Son of God. 
And listen to what Jesus said to them, John 8. If you abide in my word, if you protect it, that's what abide means to protect or guard, to keep, to keep it. It's to keep it as a point of focus. If you do that, if you keep my word, if you keep it in a place where you continue to think about it, you're my disciples because that's what a disciple does. A disciple sits at the feet of a rabbi. And what, what Jesus is encouraging, that we would sit at his feet, not Moses' feet, again, we would hear him talk about new covenant things. And we would make room for them and keep making room. And what Jesus said, if you do that, you will know the truth. And the truth will set you. That's what he's talking about. He's talking about this and this. Slaves to sin, slaves to God. Under law, under grace. That's what Jesus is talking about. He's talking about sacred freedom. Why would we do that? So for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Back in those days, the wages really means the rations. It's something a king or a government would give a soldier. If you serve in the army in Rome, you get a stipend, either rations or the money to buy food. It was what you were given. Now, here's what would happen. That's It's wage. You were given it because you worked for it. Paul's saying the wages of sin is, this isn't a real good deal here. Not a real good deal. Under law, sin is Lord. Yeah, I don't think you want to work for sin. Because the rations sin gives, death. Here, there you go. Death. Death? Anybody else want some? Anybody want a piece of this? You want a piece of this? Death. That's the rations. But you know what ended up happening? That when a king was coronated, maybe the heir to the throne, and he ascended the throne, this king, what he would do? He would do something different. He would give soldiers not wages, but an undeserved gift, a Bestowal, what he would say, he would give something really valuable because he was ascending to the throne and he wanted to bless his people, give them things. That's the picture. Sin, being overridden by the Son of God, so that you don't have to receive the wages of death. You get this bestowal here, here. You know what this is? This is eternal life. And I'm ascending to the throne so that you can get it from me. And what Jesus would say, keep my word in your mind. Tune me in. If you're in a place that you hear it, keep coming back. Over time, you'll find yourself moving on the path of righteousness. That's, that's the way it works. Freedom is an act that leads to a process. Leads to a process. Um, that's why we talk about the Christian word and worth thinking about, right? The Christian word 
is remain, not receive. You might, might start with receiving, but remain. Keep coming back. Father, thanks for good news. It does bring a breath. I wish that it was something that we could just hear once and then it would be done. And we, that's the way it is. We can, we begin to believe. We hear the message and we, and we try to tune it in, but it's not that we see it all at once. It takes time. We have to hear it over and over and over again. The other message is deeply rooted and Freedom doesn't happen all of a sudden. That's what you said, Jesus. If we keep your word in our minds, if we guard it, we'll know the truth. The truth will set us free, and it takes some time. I thank you for um, your word, and thanks for causing it to be recorded. Thanks for individuals like Paul who wrote letters so that we could sit at his feet, we could listen in, we could read over his shoulder and learn things that you directed to us through him. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.